Good to be back. Maybe not on as ever then. Maybe I'm just <laughs> I know, stuck I in my When you said it, I did think. <laughs> it just rolls off the tongue, so it's going to stay regardless. You could never come. You could be gone for three months and your first one back would be the same. But it's good to have you back nonetheless. And also with us today, as ever, fresh off his lengthy journey back from London on Wednesday night and Thursday morning, is Mr. Simon Bukowski. Si, how's it going? Yeah, just about recovered, thank you. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, let's get straight into it because there's certainly a lot to talk about and it all stems from one match on Wednesday night, of course, when Manchester City overcame uh, title fellow title challengers Arsenal in a brilliant match down at the Emirates. 3-1 City won goals from Kevin De Bruyne, Jack Grealish and Erling Haaland. Si, as I've just alluded to, you was there. It was one hell of an atmosphere at the Emirates, an absolute bear pit, the loudest I think I've ever heard it. Was it as loud in person as it came across on the telly? And how was it? It was quite. It was quite the occasion. Probably like the first big blockbuster of the season. It felt like, and we had fears of it maybe not delivering after the FA Cup match, but it certainly did deliver, and then some. Um, yes, uh, I don't think the press box at the Emirates is well suited to pick up atmosphere. Um, it, yeah, it was. It it, it was all right. It was good. Um, there were some lads with a drum going at it for 90 minutes. Um, it, you know, I, I think there will be many places in that stadium better to pick up atmosphere than uh, than the press box. Um, but the game itself was, was yeah, everything we'd wanted and more, basically. It was just so much going on and uh, had just about everything. Um, you know, some great football, some great sort of mind games, mental, tactical, psychological uh, a bit of you know controversy with refereeing decisions. Um, you know, it kind of like by the end you'd sort of built up this picture that City were inevitably going to win because um, you know they were stronger in the second half, so it kind of felt like oh yeah, the second and third goals. But then you know you watch it back, and at two one you've got um, and Ketia only just failed to get on the end of something in the six yard box, and then you've got Kyle Walker on uh, Odegaard, I think it was uh, very very, very close to giving away a penalty. And you've got Ruben Diaz's amazing uh, interception in his own box. So, yeah, loads going on. Could have gone either way. Um, a, a brilliant City win and performance, really. Yeah, it certainly was. I, I agree with you. I think when, even when City had gone 1-0 up, Arsenal was still in the ascendancy for the rest of that first half. The equaliser, which I'm sure we'll get onto in the circumstances of it, was a well-deserved equaliser and Arsenal, didn't they have a great chance just before City took the lead as well, if I'm not mistaken? I think maybe Nketiah again, who, you know, maybe the story of Arsenal's season will be Nketiah missing those, you know, he got the winner against United, but he's, he's missed quite a few guilt-edged chances since. And Joe, as I say, it was as you don't want to go to the cliche game of two hours or anything, but it did feel a bit like that, or at least a game of two sections of City endeavouring, fighting, doing okay, he's taking the lead, you know, great, great opportunism from De Bruyne to do that, but after the, the tactical change from Guardiola really taking the ascendancy and the, it was another one from Guardiola, I think I've certainly been kind of preaching going back to the basics in recent weeks and he said he's gone completely the opposite way in, in uh, deploying Bernardo as an auxiliary left-back midfielder attacking something or other just all over the pitch. 
I'm surprised. I think me and Sarah are both surprised that he's done it here against Arsenal because Saka, as you'd expect, had the runaround of him for quite a lot of the game. But when he changed that, put Ake at left-back, as we expected um, to do from the start, and gave Bernardo an attacking berth um, completely, City really did um, take the ascendancy and they just looked like they had the dog in them. The the the, sh- the sharpness was back. The kind of the inevitableness did feel, did kind of feel come back once City went back to what they know best. Yeah, it was um, obviously City got a very good win and played very well, but the the sort of tactical backstories to it was was equally as interesting. And we we should have known, shouldn't we, that Guardiola was going to go into a big game and and pull some sort of surprise. And on the one hand, it wasn't a surprise that he played Bernardo at left back because he did it against Aston Villa and, and Bernardo did very well there. And he he wasn't sort of an out and out left back against Villa. He was more sort of patrolling that area to sort of protect the le- the left back zone, if you like when City had a back three, this time he was definitely, when City didn't have the ball, he was definitely a left-back. So when he said the other week he had a midfielder in mind who can play left-back, I think we can pretty much safely assume that, that it is Bernardo. And he did okay. I think, you know, he's he's clearly a player who's got the tactical awareness and, and the discipline to do it. And it, it is a tough task tough task to uh, to stop Bakayo Saka and uh, I think because Nathan Ake did it so well in the FA Cup we just all assumed that, that Ake would do it in the league but clearly I think it was a, a case of if it's, if it's not broken don't fix it because it worked so well against Aston Villa this sort of back three with Bernardo on the left and it, it, it carried on there and yes he had to change it and yes City got the win because they went to a back four but I, th- I think playing an hour with, with that sort of back three and a half if you like with Bernardo there I think really set the tone because what that allows you to do is you can play Rodri and Kevin De Bruyne and Bernardo and Ilkay Gundogan all in the same team and they're players who've been at the, this level for so long and they've played these big games and having them all in the team you can't really do that all the time unless you put um, prob- maybe one as a false nine and, and they're not going to do that this season so he's now found a way to do that I think that's probably one of the main reasons they, they won that game because yes Arsenal were on top for, for large periods a lot of the players said you know Arsenal were the better team Arsenal were, were better in the first half Guardiola himself said that you know his tactics were horrible in the first half and he, he had to change it but then he, he stayed the same for 15 minutes and uh, and, and kept Bernardo at left back until until he had to and yeah there was a, a bit of a debate of do you take Bernardo off at half time because he's been booked but uh, you know, Guardiola said he, he trusts Bernardo. He's got the intelligence to to adapt his game, and it seemed like the tactic was if if you can't stop Saka, bring him down and then deal with it after you you pick up mm. the yellow card. But no, it was uh, it was very interesting that that left back situation. And uh, you know, I've I've written a couple of times in pieces now that you know Jao Cancelo left because he couldn't get past Nathan Ake at, at left back. And in the three games since, Ake hasn't played left back once. He's played an 18 year old. He's not played anyone. And then he's played Bernardo Silva. So, you know, you, you just can't predict anything with uh, with Guardiola at the moment, can you? Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I even considered that. And, I, you know, maybe a penny for his thoughts, but I'm sure he'll be buzzing with the Bundesliga title. He'll probably get in a few months' time. But, um, yeah, it was a, it was a strange one with Bernardo Sai. I mean, he, he, he can do it. And he did really well there against Villa. It just, but. City weren't exactly ever really on the back foot against Villa that much. And I think I think Alan McCoy's pointed out quite well in commentary that there was one point where Bernardo was playing everyone on side. I think he was like three yards behind the defensive line. And it's just the little things like that where when you're under the pressure a bit more and he actually has to be in a more defensive position because he, he definitely was basically in a back four at points in that match. It probably doesn't work 
quite as well. But as Joe says, the benefits you get from the midfield aspect of him being there maybe you know help them get a bit more kind of a foot in the game early on and then when you switch to the basics Bernardo can push up Mares had a bit of an off day for him for considering his form recently but we you know Bernardo had the feel of the game he pushed up and was excellent further forward and was linking up so well with you know De Bruyne and Haaland and whatnot and then Ake who again um, I thought was absolutely excellent playing at centre back and then left back and he's really come into his own this season he looks brilliant Ake yeah, I think it was uh, more of what the fans have been wanting in terms of put your best players on the pitch. Um, you know, Bernardo obviously has the intelligence to play a number of roles. And, and it's like, it's both weird to see him at this kind of roving left-back role, but also not because he's he's kind of, you know, dipped in to play centre-back at times. Um, you know, it, it the, the strange thing was it makes more sense against you know, an Aston Villa that you don't think are going to play much football against you. But, you know, Saka was, was the real danger point for Arsenal. And um, I, yeah, you know, on another day, maybe Bernardo gets booked for his second challenge on him and not his third or his fourth. And and that creates more more problems. But, you know, City will turn around and say that they survived it. They survived it. And they survived it with their best players on the pitch. And, Bernardo, Gundogan, De Bruyne, Rodri all kind of merited their their position, um, and yeah, you know, yeah, Ake is is really really good. Um, I think you know, uh, I think Amerit Laporte still still has uh, a, a good reason to ask kind of what he's done wrong to be left out of the team so much, but um, like you can't argue with Ake's Ake's place in the team, but it, it was more the sense of Guardiola saying, right, I am trusting my my best players to to get me the result and and they did. Mm-hmm. And as well as the kind of the tactical um you know the the, the tactical innovations Guardiola's made there, Joel, I think the most interesting bit that we've seen from City was this rarely seen sort of deviousness from them, feistiness uh, you know, we can't swear on this podcast, but I think we can all understand the sort of proverbial outhouse we can uh, attest to the tactics they were deploying at points. I mean, I don't remember ever seeing City time wasted in the first half before Edison um, got a booking for it, no less. It wasn't the, was it in the first half he got his booking as well? Like, mm-hmm. I like to do for a city team to do that, you know, it's it's definitely kind of certain instructions being played. And I think it worked brilliantly. It angered that crowd so much, and I think that kind of reflects in the crowd uh, in the Arsenal's performance. They were kind of a bit nervy at times, edgy, maybe is the best word for it. And that kind of, I think you described it really well in your your articles. In like the nasty, nasty city, it just felt like oh, they've really got like as I said earlier, the dog in them now. They're really going to take take the game to a man games, whatever. And it was. It was that kind of canniness City have got, that experience, that been there, done that, which Arsenal simply do not have at the moment. And it re- it feels like it really could knock them. We'll talk about Arteta's reaction afterwards. But like this, this you know, it was always going to be a kind of pivotal match beforehand, but it feels even more so now, just the way that City so smartly went to their patch, kind of ruffled them up, not only in football itself, actually how they played, but in just how they kind of treated Arsenal at times. Yeah, and I wonder if that's to do with bringing back those sort of experienced players. You know, recently Guardiola's been picking players on form and not sort of not by their name. So he dropped Kevin De Bruyne the other day. You know, Diaz and Laporte have, have not been playing. Phil Foden's been on the bench. And instead you've got Akanji and Rika Lewis and, and people like that. But he's brought all these players 
back who City are very familiar with. They've won a lot of titles and yeah, suddenly the the performance was, it, I don't know, it felt for the first time really this season that City were properly there, like they were properly there and ready to to really fight for the title and yeah, they were time wasting from, from early on and, you know, being just sort of, just annoying with throw-ins and, and goal kicks. And I mean, we never see Edison take a, a long goal kick, but that was the tactic. City played very direct at Arsenal, but it you know it, it wound down a, f- a few minutes on the clock and it wound up the fans. And yes, it, it brought a few bookings with it, but you know, I, I think it, it was a tactic that on the day really worked for, for City. And Guardiola said before the game, didn't he? He wants his players to show that they're ready to fight for the title and I think they did it with the performance which was very good and, and very disciplined but also yeah those little sort of nasty moments those dark arts the the sort of the challenges and yeah it, it really stood out and I, I I always I've been pointing back for about a month now when when Guardiola went on his big rant and he said no one was defending Rico Lewis against Tottenham I think in every game since the referee hasn't had a minute's peace you know all the players have been crowding around him and and trying to make their point across even when when the penalty went against City I, I wonder if Edison might have got sent off if all those players weren't there say just arguing the penalty decision which yeah it it was a penalty but that happens dozens of times every weekend and goes unpunished so I can see why City were annoyed about that but maybe that took the mind off the referee that that Edison was on a yellow card I, I don't know but no I, I do think that yeah the, those sort of dark arts are probably as much as what Guardiola has been demanding from his players as, as anything else just to show that they're ready to to fight for every single decision every single so every single ball and and that is the sort of attitude and mentality that that will win them the title they can't rely on anything as he's been trying to trying to get that point across I think fight is the kind of the appropriate word there sign if you compare this performance and maybe Villa as well to that Tottenham game, that Tottenham loss and a couple of the other games before and the Southampton match especially, I know that was the, the Carabao Cup, but the, the kind of the difference in the the attitude of the players and the way they're approaching games, they just look so much more on it and for so long, it's probably, I think we've said numerous times, City until now haven't put in a great quintessential City display since that kind of, that spell where they beat United 6-3 and then Southampton 4-0. But now, on the back of these two three one wins, it really does feel like the back and the back with an edge and as, as you say there, Guardiola, he, he's it's eventually worked because he, he's I think he's really kind of stirred the coals within that team and the fire's rising now. Yeah, I mean, what what images watching Kevin De Bruyne smirk his way around to uh, the city bench as Arsenal fans chucked things at him. Uh, very classy club there. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was City being up there, you know, stri- I wouldn't say the streetwise best. Um, I sort of, I liked the time wasting up to a point, but I thought they just kind of ended up inviting loads of Arsenal pressure in the first half and Edison could have been sent off. They conceded a penalty, um, but, you know, they continued it through the game in a bit more of a sensible way. Um and yeah, they just had, it felt like they moved through the gears, especially after the the tactical switch, um, bringing on Akanji for, for Maris. And again, like what a Guardiola substitution, by the way. It's one all and you bring on a centre-back for your best forward and then you dominate the game. That is like quintessentially Guardiola. It's, it's been a while since um, one of those substitutions. But yeah, it, it felt like the sort of um, the naive pretenders to the throne who had so much energy and passion and threw everything at 
at City and City just kind of dealt with it all and then said, right, yeah, we've you've had your time. We're going to win the game now. Um, and and that, you know, it, it's really cliched, but it's, it is what champions do. Um, and there's absolutely zero guarantee that um, City will win the league, but it, it felt huge and it felt like it was Arsenal's big night. And um, yeah, listening to Mikel Arteta after the game in his press conference, he he was speaking like a manager who had just been knocked out of a cup. It, it was like, we've had all these chances and we've thrown it away. You've got Guardiola saying, oh, we're, we're ready. You will have to fight to get this trophy offers. And then you've got Arteta saying, oh, we threw it away. And, you know, he, he was, you know, he was calling out players for individual mistakes. And it, it, just his general demeanour was that of a manager who felt like they'd lost it. And I don't think if City had lost 3-1, you would see Guardiola come in and, and give that press conference because he's better at hiding his natural frustration. Um, I'm not sure it's entirely a good message for Arteta to send that, you know, to give this feeling of, oh, we had them and we've let it go. Like, they're still top. They've got a game in hand. Um, they play at Villa at the weekend and maybe can, you know, go ahead. But it suddenly feels like, oh, City can go on one of those runs and Arsenal's races run, which Arsenal will now have to fight to combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think... I think Arteta's actually been quite careful in the matches before this game in like really not trying to overreact. I think if you've seen him, the way he kind of acted on the pitch at times when they were winning and, you know, if you ever have the displeasure of coming across Richard Keyes' Twitter, you'll understand just how annoying Arteta can be to some people in his methods on the touchline. Um, he's, he's always been very hard on his sleeve throughout the season, but then after the kind of the City loss in the FA Cup and then the, the drop points in the league, he's been... He's really tried really hard, I think, to to do that, to hide his frustrations and um, to not to keep the heads up and whatnot. Like it's not the end of the world and whatever. But it it felt, as you say, it, I think it was quite reflective of the, the, what's been happening with Arsenal in the reactions to the games. The last two games, it was it was like his dam finally broke. I think I mentioned it before after the Everton match when or during the Everton match when Arsenal started losing the heads and they were biting at Mope. The first bit of adversity they've had for months when they have been when they lost to United, it was like the fourth or fifth match of the season. They weren't in this position. There wasn't really any pressure on that. It's the first bit of adversity they'd faced and then they're biting at the most simplest of a wind-up tactics ever and really kind of... And that was Zinchenko, the one, the one player who has been there and done it, as I've said. That was reflective. Then you had the whole controversy um, over the, uh, the, dis- the, the, the allowed goal against Brentford and you can see how the kind of victim complex started coming into play and then now as you say the what it feels like they've wobbled a lot and they don't have well city wobbled city wobbled for ages they've had like pretty much two months of odd wins and not not but not playing well for two or three months but they've come through it now and they look they do look prime now to go on one of those runs if they can string it together whereas arsenal they've got they've had a wobble joe and it doesn't look like they can come out of it they don't have that experience of doing so yeah, maybe. And I'm, as you're saying that, I'm I'm trying to think back to the, the Amazon documentary and like they did go on a couple of sort of runs where they didn't win a few games in a row, didn't they? And maybe they're sort of a, mem- a momentum side and they've had momentum that's carried them very, very far. And yeah, I think the last week has shown how important City's win in the FA Cup was against Arsenal just to, to stop that momentum a little bit. They've then gone on and 
sort of drop points in two games in the league. Then they've played City and and obviously lost that game as well. And, and City were just better prepared and a bit more fired up. And you, you look at Arteta, he's done brilliantly there. I just think on Wednesday he was trying to out-pep Pep and it didn't work. He, he dropped Ben White, who's been... He's played every game, I think, uh, at right back and brought in Tommy Asu. He said it's because he needed a bit more sort of uh, versatility in defence. But then Tommy Asu's given away one goal and sort of at fault for another as well. And he, he wasn't very good either. And he just made a couple of changes that probably wasn't the best time to make it in a game where... Yeah, I mean, Arsenal could have got away with a draw. If Ars- if you offered Arsenal a draw before the game, they'd have snapped your hand off because they'd have kept the lead, kept the title in their own hands. And now... You know the the three games without a win, they've lost to the main rivals, and they've got to sort of pick themselves up and and go again. And I, th- I think I think what's been said is right that he was focusing on the wrong things after the game. Yes, they've made mistakes, but you know every team makes mistakes. And when he was sort of really honing in on that refereeing decision before the game, all I could think was, well, City had a, an obvious VAR decision go against them in the derby that caused them to drop points. We always say these decisions even themselves out at the end of the season. That's probably evened itself out already. So, yeah, I, I think he probably has to sort of draw upon something else now. He's He's got Arsenal very far and firmly in the title race and they could still go on and win it because they're a very, very good side. But I think now he, he, he needs to work out how he's going to sort of address this three-game, four-game run and, and get Arsenal back on track because it, it could be. How he reacts to this could really define if they're going to win the title or not. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk a bit more on the title race later on, but let's kind of go back to the game a little bit. And, you know, in a statement display for City, Sai, it was a real statement um, performance and contribution from Jack Grealish. I think we've been praising him in recent weeks. Him and Mares were probably the two players still kind of being a shining light in the few dark uh, matches and days when City weren't performing. They were still doing pretty good stuff and even if the, the, the teammates weren't on, on hand to kind of help them turn it into goals and points but he, he again he puts in a really another really gutsy display hard working uh, performance we've commented a lot recently on how well he's been doing coming back and whatnot but he's, he's he made the telling contribution here when he he finished off an absolutely excellent move um a, a, a sweeping passing move across the across the arsenal uh, goal mouth and he Gets a bit fortunate with that Tomiyasu uh, deflection, but he gets the crucial goal and a goal he thoroughly enjoyed, one he deserves. And he's becoming, I think as Joel's pointed out in an article this week, he's becoming a player who delivers in, in the big matches and in the important moments. Yeah, I think he's been probably with Mahrez City's what, the, the best two City players since the World Cup. Um, and, you know, we've spoken a lot about the troubles particularly City have had with getting players up to form after the World Cup. Um, Not a lot has been said about the fact that Grealish went to the World Cup, um, didn't play that much, but has had zero problems with getting straight back into it. Um, You know, had a bit of a, well, went on holiday after the World Cup, but, you know, that was his his home alone tour in New York, wasn't it? But, you know, didn't get up to any trouble. Um, Just got straight back to work and, and has worked his way um into being one of the first names on the on the team sheet and you know it for for a long time Grealish has kind of done okay um but even though he's not going to be a 20 goal 20 assist a season man 
he's kind of not well he's not got the assists or goals to like merit continued inclusion in the team when you've got like Foden scoring hat tricks and Mares scoring and and whatever the you know there comes a point where it's difficult to say well he keeps the ball really well um but he's he's doing exactly what he needs to do and he's making the difference in in big moments and you know that that is where you get your your wider acclaim from when people say oh well he scored the winner against against Arsenal or or anything like that um so yeah i mean you won't find anyone at city who is you know not over the moon that um grealish is getting this this recognition now because you know he's so popular within within the squad within the club um and yeah fully deserves every bit of praise coming his way Absolutely, Joe. It's goals against Arsenal, United. Even though that game didn't pan out well, and Chelsea as well. I believe he's scoring against big teams now, and he, he might not be a great scorer of goals, as I says, but he's a scorer of greatly important goals. Yeah, it was the assist Remix, against Chelsea, wasn't it? In the uh, that's the in, in the league where he, he came on and he, he changed the game, and I, I think he, he's adding that sort of decisiveness to his game now. He's we've seen so long that he'll get the ball and the fans are screaming for him to just attack and run with it or have a shot and he'll just pause and put his foot on the ball and find a, a blue shirt which has its merits but you know that Jack Grealish can do more with it and he's he's started to do that now and I think it was quite telling. I mean, his interview after the game, as ever, was was brilliant and, and honest and so much better than any other interview we always hear because he actually tells you something interesting. He doesn't give anything away negative but he just he's engaging and interesting and one of the things he said was he knew Gundogan was gonna gonna pass to him I don't think anyone on the pitch knew that Gundogan was gonna gonna pass to him because you know the, the shot was on and Gundogan was facing the other way but if, if he is now fully in tune with with what Guardiola wants what his teammates want um, we've heard a number of players speak about how much they value Grealish now after that game in particular and how how delighted they are that, that he's got that goal as well um, I, I think that he is now, you know, he's it, it's clicked now for him. It's taken a while. It, there's been a bit of patience with him, but I think he is now. He knows exactly what he's got to do in in that system. And you know, the next time a big game comes around, I don't think you can bet against him being included. You you can rely on him now to, you know, keep possession, keep the tactical shape, and also, you know, perform and and produce big moments. And he's slowly but surely starting to add those sort of headline stat statistics with the goals and assists and you know you you would look at him and his form and think he can go and get a few more goals now and and really kick on and one other thing that i noticed at at arsenal and against villa is that would guardiola have gone without a left back and put jack grealish as the left winger 6 months ago i don't think he would because you need your winger to to come and help in those situations and 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 sort of double up if if needed and and track back and Grealish is popping up in defence where he might not have done in in the past and I, I really it it looks like apart from the goal that he got and the assist that he's getting it looks like he's he's really just sort of in tune now with everything that is demanded of a winger at City and he started the last six games in the league and you rarely get that with a with a winger at City so no he's he's done very very well recently. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think we always said like it's, it takes a year, especially for like, an attacker or a wide forward, to really get used to playing under Guardiola. So it might maybe taking a little bit longer. Eighteen months. There's been a World Cup in there as well. But no, as you say, he's really kind of coming alive. And speaking of coming alive, Si, Erling Haaland, he's looking like the uh, the beast incarnate at this point because he's just looking like he was uh, at the start of the season. I think City are finally getting that little bit more out of him. There was just the odd time. And it doesn't need to be often because, you know, City don't like to hit the channels all the time or whatever. They want to keep the ball. But just to mix it up every now and then and keep defences on the toes, every now and then Haaland would just... Given a given kind of the the le, um, the leeway to just charge through and um, he, he he scared the uh, Arsenal back line uh, out houseless as we're gonna uh, get away get around that uh, swear word at this for no one um, he was just running them ragged I, I think it was actually after his goal which was absolutely excellent the it almost like the the, the chance had gone because his touch was a bit heavy but instead it what his touch actually had done was take him away from the fender and allow him to to twist and bang it into the far corner. It was an absolutely excellent goal. And I think it was just after that, when he, he kind of got the ball maybe on the halfway line or just inside his own half. I think it was like cleared from a corner or something. And he, he brought it down and he was like on the on the touchline. I don't know how it didn't go out of play. It might actually have done. But he kind of brought it down. There was a defender right next to him and he just barged past him as if he were like absolutely just holding him off like a little child. It was awesome. And I think it really, I think we talked about it last week out and with the assist against Villa, it's like he's had all these complaints of oh, all he does is score, he doesn't do anything else, he doesn't help in the build-up. But that's absolutely folly because he was involved in the second goal here, he was involved in that passage of play, as I said, he was just a presence all night and he just feels he's a bit more involved now. He's not as isolated, is he? There's never, I don't think there's ever, from people who've actually watched him, I don't think there's actually ever been a question of how he can get on the ball and use it. I think it's more of the issue has been he's just been kind of stranded and he's never had anyone near him for quite a while to pass two and he, maybe he loses the ball at points because he's had his held onto it for too long and he hasn't had an option but now it just feels like everything's a bit tighter to him and he's just got a bit more leeway to run and cause damage and he's looking an absolute uh, freak of nature once again. Yeah, it, it's quite stunning that it's not yet two weeks since he lost to Tottenham and everything was all about how they couldn't find him and he wasn't at the right club and you know, all all those problems. And uh, yeah, now he suddenly all is well again. Um, you know, City fans obviously enjoy him him scoring goals. When you when you watch him, I don't think I don't think there's like many things more enjoyable than just watching him like manhandle defenders. Like that, um I know he was offside for it, but the way he won the penalty off Gabriel, it was just like utter destruction like you say his ability to just pulling his shirt and he's just going nah lad not having <laughs> yeah, it yeah 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 and um the way he can keep the ball and also just destroy opposition defenders is um is, is really something I don't think we've seen anything like it since since Yaya Torre really um and yeah I mean it, I thought it was interesting afterwards that Guardiola said we've said to him that's how we have to play with you we have to do that uh, because they did look a lot better as a team trying to trying to find him. And, you know, again, I think that goes back to putting your best players on the pitch. Um, you know, De Bruyne has not really been in form and not many players have, but, you know, you would still back De Bruyne more often than not to play a ball through for Haaland than you would anyone else. Um, so... Yeah, he you know, he, he he's looked alive in recent weeks, but more just very, very frustrated at at nobody finding him, whereas, you know, he, he got plenty more enjoyment uh out of 
out of Arsenal. And the thing is, like he's, he he scores goals even when he doesn't play well. So, you know, 32 already, 26 in the league is frightening. Um, and mm-hmm. he's, he's back to looking frightening on the pitch. Absolutely. I think he's only he's got 15 games to score nine goals and break the record for a single season. I don't think there's much there's much hope of Alan Shearer and Andy Cole keeping their record there. But um Joey, I mean, he's just he's so frighteningly fast as well. I don't th- I think that was something I didn't quite realize before. Like the way he closes down space and like defender thinks he's got time to kind of allegedly pass it back and he's just eating space like an absolute monster. He's almost like, you know, if you have them dreams when you can't, like, run fast and you're, like, running through treacle, he's, like, the creature that he's chasing you in those dreams. He's just an absolute predator. The way he uh, eats up space, honestly, it's almost, you kind of get anxiety watching it. Thank Jesus, if I was on that pitch, he'd be a past me before I'd even started running. And, yeah, he's just been a brilliant. I think, as we say, like, the City, it's not like City can't keep possession and just get the ball to him faster. I think, He's been so risk adverse, Guardiola. Well, he was the last few months that kind of came too cautious and didn't wasn't adventurous enough, and it also became very stagnant and slow. There were spits of play in that city where they were keeping the ball, but they were just moving it so much quicker, getting around teams and getting up that pitch quicker. And it, Haaland just looks much more just alive and active, and when he knows passes and coming quicker, he he's always on the run. He's always intelligent and moving into space, but he just seems much more like. Like he can be eager, he can make those runs himself quicker because he knows the ball's coming quicker. Well, there's a reason he's got so many goals, and that's because he is always alive. Like, how many goals has he got in the box where he's he's got space in in a penalty area where there's probably about twenty other players there? It's because he's always always alive and always looking and anticipating. And yes, there are a lot of balls that that don't get played through to him. And he said that his interview with Alan Shearer was very very interesting and he said he he, he does, does get frustrated with players not playing those balls through and he's always making the runs and especially like if you're there in the ground you can see those runs he's making and it'll be off camera for the tv but he's always sort of on the shoulder of those defenders I, I, you would just hate to defend against him because he's always making the run and if he does get the ball as we've discussed he's gonna bulldoze you over and and probably have a shot on goal and he's yeah it, it's not a anything new but when he isn't involved and when I say he's not involved it's because he's not getting the balls when when that happens then those obvious sort of tiring debates come back of is, is he right for the team you know he, he's a player who's always always looking and I think the Arsenal game suited him because the defensive line was a bit higher up he had a bit more space to run you know Gabriel and Saliba are good defenders but he looked like he really relished that. I think in that interview he called himself a psychopath for liking the uh, liking knocks and challenges and stuff. And you can't really argue with him because he, he looks like that player who really, really relishes it. And I also think that yes, Kevin De Bruyne has got a lot of assists finding Haaland, but he seems to play better when Ilkay Gundogan plays as well in that sort of attacking midfield role. Because Gundogan, he just has that knack for finding where the striker wants to be. And it was Gundogan's ball who turned and found De Bruyne in the box, probably knowing that the ball would then come across for for Haaland as well. And Gundogan was next to Haaland when when he uh, squared it across to Grealish. I'll need to look into the numbers. I'm not sure what numbers I would look for. But when Haaland scores and Gundogan's on the pitch, Gundogan often seems to be involved in some way. So... Yeah, it's again, having all those players, having Gundogan, De Bruyne, Rodri and Bernardo on the pitch seems to make City better. And we've been saying that, you know, play your form players because they're the ones who are playing well. But 
suddenly City have played all the experience, the best players, and they're starting to look more like themselves. So what does that mm-hmm. tell us? Exactly. Well, I think we actually quite. I think early on in the season, we earmarked the Gundogan and Harland kind of mm. partnership as quite an interesting one. Didn't he assist him maybe in the West Ham game or the third game of the season? Whichever game wasn't Bournemouth at home. Rings about. Bournemouth. Oh, did he set up? Could he set up? Gundogan yeah, that actually? might have been it. Yeah. Was it the other way around? It's like they've had. Like they seem like they were developing quite a good understanding early on, and maybe it's something that hasn't quite been uh, um, left to develop as much in the last few months but hopefully we see a bit more of it going forward it could be quite interesting um but yeah so like it wasn't just the kind of the goal scorers um Ruben Diaz is coming now for the first two starts and City I think you know they've conceded in each game um you know a penalty and uh, you know which was a penalty it was an annoying one because you as you say you rarely see him given but I don't think you could argue it too much and then a consolation but when Diaz wasn't actually on the pitch but they look so much more secure and He's got that leadership quality, Diaz, doesn't he? He might not be the best on the ball, or even the actual best defender in terms of maybe his positioning and stuff, but he's just that kind of, that Vincent Kompany-esque kind of heroic, that block, as you mentioned earlier. He's the one doing the tackles and the celebrating blocks and whatnot. He's kind of almost like the spirit of the team, and I think City benefit um, massively from him starting in the, the heart of defence. Yeah, I think the uh, the company comparison is a good one. Um, you know, Vincent Company was never really a Pep Guardiola defender in the way that John Stones is or Emerit Laporte is. You know, he he tried to pass out from the back, but he was always more comfortable putting it into Rosette. And I mean, DS is you know a lot more accomplished on the ball than than Company, but still, compared to his teammates, he's he's not got that but what he has got is those old-fashioned qualities of absolutely loving defending loving making tackles loving making interceptions loving getting a clean sheet loving not giving opponents a sniff at goal um and that enthusiasm and sort of just passion rubs off on the whole defense uh you know i think guardiola said it you know city have missed his leadership and it, it really shows on nights like Arsenal where you need to keep your heads um, that you have composed figures at the back who are making sure that the message coming out is positive and organised and calm. Uh, and and that is what is what Diaz brings you. He's got the authority that his teammates respect him and follow him. Uh, and on top of that, you know, he is a brilliant defender. Uh, that interception in the box was incredible, really, because um, anyone who saw it coming was thinking penalty, 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 and you know it, it takes something exceptional to to avoid giving a penalty away when you take a risk like that. But um, but fair play to him for for doing it. And yeah, I mean, you talk about Guardiola not taking many risks. It felt like City were willing to risk a bit more. Um, at Arsenal and they and they got the rewards for it. Yeah, absolutely, and big rewards they are. I mean, it would be a miss of us, Joe, if we didn't end just talking about De Bruyne's amazing goal. He was helped out massively by Tommy Asu, but that finish, the quality of it, the almost the cheek to attempt it. I think most players would have kind of brought the ball down, tried to get a bit closer and maybe go more one-on-one with Ramsdale, but he just lofted it over. It was almost out of nowhere, just absolute um, eagle-eyed position to get it into the net. A, a fantastic goal. 
Yeah, and I think Jack Grealish deserves a bit of credit as well for pressuring Tommy Asu as, as well. But yeah, when, when the ball comes to him, you, you sort of look and think, oh yeah, have a shot. Or if you're playing it on, on the PlayStation, you'd, you'd just loft it over the keeper. But it's not an easy finish at all, is it? It's It, it comes in just in the in the near post and it, it's curling and, and lobbed. And yeah, it's, it, it was brilliant. And it, it was what City needed because, you know, they were sort of behind a little bit on on the day and on at the time and it, it was a goal against the run of play they, they did quite well to to sort of take advantage of that and know it was a, it was a fantastic bit of play and, and then later on he, he pops up and he, he puts a, a very good ball across for for Erling Haaland and, and it's uh yeah I, I think we, we've spoken about De Bruyne maybe not being at his very best but I think he's got what 13 assists in the league now you'd, you'd back him to at the very least, equal his own record, which he would argue he should have outright. And, you know, I think he's pushing, I've annoyingly forgot the stats off the top of my head, but I think he's pushing 20 assists for the season in all competitions. If if he's going to be sort of providing that again, if, if the sort of rest against Tottenham is has done him good and sort of given him a wake-up call. I think Guardiola said, didn't he, that, you know, it was tactical that, that he wasn't there. He De Bruyne won't add another body into the box, but if you want someone to put the ball in the box and capitalise on sort of those moments like the the Tommy Asu back pass, you don't. There's no one else in the team that you would rather have in in those positions. And yeah, it's not a new. It's it's nothing new to say that if Kevin De Bruyne is playing well, City are playing well. But that was the case on uh, on Wednesday. Absolutely, and it was as we said, it's a brilliant win for City, three one over Arsenal, and what it has done is kind of blown the title race. Well, it already was, but it's kind of thrown everything up to, into the air. Cat amongst the pigeons, stuff equal on City are top on goal difference. Arsenal do have a game in hand, which I believe is against Everton, the team who first you know beat them just a few weeks ago. So that will be very interesting. But we you know we're going to the weekend's fixtures now, and it's all very an intriguing setup. Arsenal actually play first in the weekend, their first up against Aston Villa, which is set to be quite an intriguing given it's Unai Emery, former Arsenal manager with former Arsenal goalkeeper and, uh, you know, out house prime, Evi Martinez in between the sticks. So that could make for a very t- tasty one and not, uh, not an easy one by any stretch, um, despite Villa's kind of struggles in recent weeks. And the City themselves uh, go to Nottingham Forest, which you would imagine would be far more comfortable. City beat them 6-0 earlier in the season, of course. But, you know, we kind of look at the fixtures side coming up and it's, it's quite an interesting one. Arsenal, you'd look at it and you'd think, quite a comfortable run after Villa they have Leicester who do look a bit better now James Madison is back but have had have had difficulties this year Everton as I mentioned then they've got Bournemouth a really good Fulham team in fairness and then Crystal Palace um, league games only one midweek fixture I believe so pretty you know they're going to be well rested and not a lot to deal with other than the league with City in contrast Loads of away matches, loads of cup games um, sitting there. They've got Forest on Saturday, as I say. Then they're away at Leipzig in the Champions League, away at Bournemouth in the league, away at Bristol City in the FA Cup before they're back at home against Newcastle and then away again at Crystal Palace. There's a lot of football for City to play and it's, you know... It, it's not they were ahead. The title is now in their hands, but it's by no means easy, just given the amount of games City have got compared to Arsenal. Yeah, City have got the kind of away run that either makes or or breaks teams. I think um, it's it's a lot of travel. It's a lot of even just like it's a lot of time for the squad to spend together. Um, you know, City in particular, Guardiola kind of know the benefits of just all saying right. Let's have a few days off. Um, 
I think after the you know after the loss at Spurs, they were in the Monday for sort of recovery, and then they took Tuesday and Wednesday off, which is by no means unusual. They're just like, yeah, you all need your time away from us. Um, you know, imagine Guardiola being a hundred percent with you every day of the week; it'd be really tough. Um, but that's what they're going to have more of now with being away. But but by beating Arsenal, um, they've put the pressure firmly on Arsenal now. Um, you know, in the past, it's been like, oh, can City close the gap? Can City close the gap? Well, there's no no gap to be closed anymore. And uh, like you say, a really intriguing matchup for Arsenal where they've got to put all of that disappointment uh, behind them and go to Aston Villa with a uh, who you know the manager has a point to prove some of the players have a point to prove the team has a point to prove really because they've been much better i think away from home since emery took over than they have at home uh the last home game you know they were booed off at half time by some people uh when they were 3-2 down at leicester so you know they need a reaction and arsenal have to be absolutely on it um and you know it's a great chance for arsenal to go back to the top of the table, but imagine if they don't. Imagine if City then at three o'clock, or you know, ahead of their three o'clock game, get the news that you know they've got the chance to open up a bit of a, a gap at the top of the table. That'll really affect both teams. So, because of the drop Arsenal have had recently, we're now back in that sort of like City Liverpool twenty nineteen mode, mm. where every result will be um, analysed to death. Absolutely. I mean, it's because every result matters, I think, Joe, and I don't know how long that will last. Obviously, when we had those epic kind of clashes between Liverpool and City, it lasted from basically January till the end of the season when they both went on remarkable winning runs. Um, but this almost feels like if Arsenal lose again here or drop points and City get a lead, it almost feels like that this kind of battle will be ended because it'd be such a psychological blow and you can just, I think so much of it, kind of relies on belief like when Leicester won the league there was just so much belief they did have that setback against Arsenal um, but they bounced back from it straight away and they're out they're in similar positions you know Arsenal haven't won the league since 2004 not in living memory for a lot of the fans and whatnot um, it's all about belief and if you don't respond well to adversity which they haven't done since City beat them in the FA Cup as Sai pointed out which has kind of spiralled this called that one lad um, you know they've, they've not won in four matches if they don't bounce back here and it goes to five it's the bubble has burst, and I I think it'd be difficult. I I, I think the Arsenal supporters were quite good actually on on in the match. To go back to that quickly, I think when De Bruyne scored, it was a mistake. I think they were, you could hear after the initial shock, they were like, "Right, come on, lads, we can do this." And they got them back up, and they did equalise. So I think there is, I think they're behind the team, but I don't think there's anything you can do if that belief just goes and the the disappointment, and heartbreak. You know, it's the hope that kills you, and if that hope gets snuffed out so mercilessly and so early, it'll be really hard to get it back. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one. I, like like I said before, I think Arteta does have a job to do to just sort of stop the slide. But at the same time, every City player and manager has come out and said Arsenal were the better side. They lost because of individual mistakes. That feels quite easy on the surface to, to fix. You know, yes, they've had a bad run of, of results, but, you know... Uh, I think that their fixtures coming up lends itself to sort of slowly getting themselves back to form. City have sort of Champions League distractions in the next couple of weeks. Arsenal don't have their Europa League last 16 for another few weeks. And, you know, City have, have the FA Cup. I, I do think City's fixtures will allow them, given that there are some relegation teams. And it, 
you know, that I think they will have the chance to rotate and maybe put a stronger side out at Leipzig and maybe bring in some fringe players at Nottingham Forest and then at Bournemouth and, and Bristol City. I, I would look at those fixtures and see there's an opportunity to really rotate the squad. But I think it's far too early to say Arsenal will be out of the title race with, with one more result. They've, they've still got that game in hand. You know, yes, it's Everton, but Everton looked pretty poor at, at Liverpool. Um yeah, I, I really think it's it's far too early to to discount anything that can happen, and that you know we're assuming that City are going to go on this run. They've been talking about going on this run for a few months. They're, they're looking good in the last week, but this City side this season have a tendency to just not turn up for one game, or just everything goes against them in in a game. Who who knows when that next will happen so now yeah, I, I don't think it's it's a case of Arsenal being dead and buried now I think they will look at that game and think right you know we've lost but we can fix it we've still got to go to to City where you know they they've played City twice now they know what they're about and uh, yeah I, I ho- hope as a neutral it will be like those City Liverpool title races where it keeps mm. twisting and turning and you think one's over and then suddenly the other team comes back and that's what I would hope for is looking from the outside. City will hope it's straightforward and Arsenal fall away, but I just can't see that happening at all. Well, you sort of, you sort of went straight in my mouth there. Like, as a neutral, I hope it's not the case. I hope, you know, I actually hope it's in contrast to those City and Liverpool matches where they were quite, while they were like dramatic and the quality was sensational, they were quite boring in the sense that it never actually, the advantage never changed, didn't it? Once City had the lead in the title, they never lost it because they just won every match, as did Liverpool. This, I hope, you know, City's kind of inconsistency at points and Arsenal now hitting a bit of a, a wobble. Um, it could turn either way. It could, they could be twists and turns. I hope that is the case. I, you know, as a neutral, as you say, we want a kind of a thrilling title race. We want um, it, there to be excitement. Um, but from City's perspective, obviously they want it dust, done and dusted early as possible. I think it's interesting what you say there about kind of the rotating team, uh, Joe, because there is the debate. City have finally now kind of got a bit of a run together. It seems to say like they've kind of settled on a more of a the best team, and he's kind of found a system that's working and going back to basics. So do you take the risk in changing that? I know it's Forest and they beat them six 0 but Forest um, do. Doing all right and they're pretty pretty hard to beat at home. I think only United have beaten them at home for months. They've kind of got results against Chelsea, Liverpool, Spurs, um, a lot of big teams there. It's by no means an absolute pushover um, uh, down in Nottingham. So does he kind of rotate here and risk upsetting the momentum the family's starting to build a bit, or you know ahead, or does he then risk of perhaps fatigue and whatnot ahead of a massive Champions League tie against RB Leipzig uh, midweek? Yeah, I think. That is a very important factor, the return of the Champions League and the other competitions. Um, you know, when when City are, City are playing Arsenal, uh, their league game is, is a midweek game. Um, and the weekend before, City will either be at Brighton in the league or they will be in the FA Cup semi, um, should they make it there. So you, you've got kind of like, and you know, there will be Champions League involvement um, I think that's the week, the midweek before the the cup semi. So there's um, there's a lot going on, and we're back at that point in the season where Guardiola starts making decisions where he has to, you know, um, prioritize and um, what's the word? Sort of, you know, compromise, I suppose, and uh, and make decisions that you know maybe you go weaker in a league game to. To help the Champions League, I think you know Forest is is a game where 
you know, the team talks easy. It's just kind of go out and make sure you back up that Arsenal win. There's no point winning at Arsenal if you then if you then lose at Forest. Forest obviously in a bit of bother having lost both centre backs to injury. Um, so you know, do, will Steve Cook fancy the chance of coming back in the squad and uh, facing Erling Haaland? I'm not. I'm not sure. Only they didn't uh, have 15 other centre backs that they've signed to to bring. Well, in. yeah, yeah, but you know, it, it's a. It's also a point about morale. Like, you know, how does Steve Cook feel having been left out of the Premier League squad? Then be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can come back in now, now that our better players have got <laughs> injured. Um, you know, it, it can hardly be great for him and, you know, it's out of proof people wrong or whatever. But, you know, it's still signing for a club and then them being like, yeah, you're not playing for four months. Uh, so, you know, you, you would expect City to go there the city that we know and have seen over the last four or five years would go to Forest and win no problems. So it'll be a, a good test of how much of that identity is back in the team, uh, you know, that we've seen kind of bits of against Villa and, and Arsenal. How do you see the game going, Joe? And do you reckon there'll be many changes? I think there will. I think you'll prioritise Leipzig. I can see players like Alvarez coming back in. Maybe it's the time for for Phil Foden to to return. I know he's been out of favour and, and injured a little bit. It's, it, how do you drop Grealish and Mahrez? But you've also, as Sai says, you've got to prioritise other games now. And I think these games are, are where players like Foden can can come back in. Uh, does Rico Lewis play, for example? On the other hand, I can I can see the, the benefit of playing Bernardo at left-back and just giving him another game and where you're probably going to have a lot of the ball to, to just keep that sort of momentum going and keep that rhythm going in in a new position um, but I would expect City to win fairly comfortably I think Forest will be better than they were at the Etihad they're a bit more settled in terms of attacking and confident in sort of bloody noses of some bigger teams but no if, if City do anything but win it'll be a, a massive massive disappointment well, it's certainly set to be an absolutely fascinating weekend again as the season really does begin to hot up in the title race. Of course, if you want to keep up to date with all the latest news and expert analysis on City's match this weekend and the title race at large, you can go uh, mosey on over to manchesteruniongnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. You can find all our articles and content over on Twitter at Man City MAN and our Facebook page, of course, as well, um, Manchester Evening News dash Man City. And of course, if you want to watch this podcast in living colour, um, what a thing that would be you can go over to our YouTube channel which is Manchester Evening News Dash Man City as well and ladies and gentlemen that is the end of this episode of the Talking City podcast thank you all very much for listening lending us your ears we'll be back again early on next week to delve into that Forest match and all the all the uh, uh, the fallout in the title race and you know, looking forward to the, the return of the Champions League which is also set to be a really intriguing time if, if, if this week's European action is anything to go by it's certainly set to be an absolute banging one so We'll meet you again then, but until then, it's goodbye.